Scripture this morning is 1 Samuel 28, 1 through 10. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do for you. Achish replied, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Yeah, children, if you are here, you are dismissed. We're glad you're here with us. Now go enjoy your classes. And you can head on out if you're in the room. So I got a call from my dad yesterday. And uh, he's like, hey, Rod, I listened to your sermon uh, back on uh, Mother's Day. And uh, you gave a shout out to mom and how you loved her. And I was a little hurt. You didn't give a shout out to me. Tell me how much you love me. So we're going to do this uh, CD today, this audio, and, and we'll clip to this point. Ready? Here we go. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> love you, buddy. You're a good dad. I love you a lot. Hope you're happy now. Okay. <laughs> I do. I have a great dad. Great dad. I... Uh, I had a deal when I was in elementary school uh, with, a, with a friend of mine uh, named Donnie Lord, and Donnie and I were good, good buddies. And we, we had a lot of good friends, and, and guys and gals, and one of the, one of the gals uh, who was a good friend of ours, her name was Michelle Lemon. And tradition back in the day, uh, when it was your birthday, is uh, we would pick you up and we would uh, toss you in a garbage can, and, and that was supposed to be a, a blessing for your birthday. And uh, so it was Michelle's birthday, and so we picked her up, and we put her in the garbage can, and, and, you know, it was all good fun. And then what happened was the garbage can at school was, was on a little bit of a curb, and it fell over. And it was everything, I mean, just an incredible scream. And then she says, I can't feel my legs. And so we just, we go into panic mode. And then the, the yard duty comes over, and she's just so upset with us, and we're scared to death. Grabs us, takes us into the principal's office, puts us in this room, nobody's in there. 
and we don't know what's going on with Michelle. One of the teachers who is, uh, is close to uh, Michelle and her family, he comes walking in this, this stark schoolroom, and, and just with incredible anger, he says this, to, we're, we're little sixth graders, he says, I hope they hang you by your hides. And we're just, I mean, we're bawling. Donnie Lord, uh, just a great guy. But here's, here's Donnie. Donnie has nothing to do spiritually with anything. His family wasn't spiritual. He, he knew nothing of the Lord. Uh, but here's what he did in the middle of this. Right in the middle of absolute terror and what was going on, and he said this. He said, if, if God... If God protects Michelle, I'll name my first child after her. That's what his promise was. And he's crying out to God, and not only that, committing his first child to have Michelle's name, and and he's just all over like, God, be in my presence, when he has nothing to do with God. And he cries out, and and that that was our situation at the school. And praise God, Michelle just, she got a bruise on her back, and that's what caused some of the numbness and and stuff like that. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't put people in garbage cans. <laughs> but it's amazing, how, it's amazing how in the middle of terror, how in the middle of fear, how in the middle when life goes upside down, when you have absolutely nothing to do with God your whole life, and all of a sudden you're crying out to Him because you're in a situation you realize you can't deal with. And that was Saul's life. There's that old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? When terror and when the bombs are coming and when life is upside down, uh, there's a cry out to God. Saul's life in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel is all of a sudden in the middle of terror. And so once again, he goes and he cries out to God and God does not respond to him. The story for me is... It, it harkens back uh, to Jesus' teaching uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And as you go to chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, the final story that Jesus brings us is the story of what it means to live life either as a fool or as one who is wise. And if you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, If you listen to my teachings, all of these things that I've given you, and if you obey them, if you follow them, then you are wise. It's building a house on firm foundation. If you take all of these things, all these truths about who I am and about relationship with me, if you take all of this and you don't listen and you don't respond, you're like one who builds a house on sand. And when the storms come, and when the trials, and when life hits, the house is destroyed. It's interesting, actually it says this, in verse 27 of Matthew 7. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they slammed against that house. And it fell, and then there's an emphasis in the Greek, And the great, and great was its fall. And as I read that in Matthew, that that seemed to sum up Samuel's, excuse me, Saul's life. 
And we're going to see that in chapter 28, what Bill just read. A life that was built on sand. A life that made choices that, I don't want anything to do with God, except for when I'm in trouble. Every choice I make is for myself and for my life. And occasionally I'll check in with God, but really I want nothing to do with Him. And I think it's a sobering chapter. And it shows us the end of of Saul's life, where he's living in fear, where there's consequence for his choices. And it's a reminder that every day, are we going to build on the firm foundation of our Lord? and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Or are we going to build on sand, which is self, which is my own life, which is, I want nothing to do with you, God. Thank you very much. And I can figure it out. That's the choice we have, each and every one of us, all throughout our life. And then we have these daily choices. Each day, will I choose to follow the Lord? Or will I choose to follow my own flesh, my own will? How are you building? How are you building? Saul's life is an example of a life that chose so often along the journey, I choose self. And I choose to go away from God. And I choose to live in my own strength. That was his journey. And so it's a warning to us, like Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon the Lord while he is near. You know, our God saves. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? Our God saves. And he does. And he does. Our God also is a just God. And he saves those who want to be saved. He saves those who know they need a Savior. And then he honors those who say, I want nothing to do with you. He's a just God. He's a holy God. Sometimes we forget that. We want just the God who just loves us all the time and everything's good and we're all going to go to heaven and everything's great. But God's a God who judges. And he looks right into the heart. And even with Saul's life as we look at it, we have to step back and we have to say, you know what, only God knows Saul's heart. But as we read the scriptures and we see the consequence of his choices and we see how he just kept throwing God out the door, we only say God is the judge of that. But his scriptures are real clear. Those who don't want anything to do with me, I give them that. And in the end, they will be separated from me from ever. Seek God while he is near. It's a warning this chapter is to us. It's dark. It has heavy things upon us. It's a reminder that we have choices that we make as we follow the Lord. As we enter into the scene in chapter 28, the scene starts off and David, King David, is a mess at the moment. Isn't it amazing, the the journey with David? And and I love love following his life because it's it's this man after God's own heart. It's, It's developing a heart like God's, our whole theme for Samuel. And David keeps... He's like, ah, oh, I'm right here with the Lord. Finally, you know, I'm learning to follow him. And then, boom, now I'm living in fear again. So he runs off in fear. 
And he ends up in the camp of the Philistines. And, and, and he's, he's stuck there. And so he has his property, and he, he's got his men with him, and they're doing their deal, and they're going off and fighting wars. And Akish comes, and they're going to put together, they're going to put together a big military situation to go and attack Israel. And David, because he was living in fear, he's, he's stuck in camp. And the king says, hey, listen, you're going to join me in this military situation and you're going to help me attack Israel. That's a mess. That's a mess. And not only that, not only that, you're going to be my personal bodyguard. That means you're going to be right next to me. You're going to be close by. You know, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. David was sinning. He was living in fear. He, was, he, he ended up in that camp because he wasn't trusting God on where he was supposed to be. Sin. Sin. When we don't obey the Father, when we don't listen to Him. And here's the deal with sin. And you guys know this. Sin takes you always further than you ever wanted to go. Always. You think you can sin, and maybe the consequence will be like, eh, not too big. Next thing you know, you're a 14-year-old girl with a baby. What happened? Well, you sinned, and the consequence is great. And you know what? God, God gave you that child, but you weren't expecting to be a 14-year-old mom. You know? And now life has radically changed. It takes us further than we ever want to go. You know, we steal a little something. We think it's not a big thing to steal or to lie. Next thing you know, you end up in prison. You're like, how'd I get here? How'd I get here? Sin takes us further than we ever want to go. That's why God is saying, obey these truths. I have life for you. I want you to, to live in truth. I want you to live in obedience to me because it's life-bearing. I don't want you to end up like Saul who just kept living in radical fear. And David, again, got stuck there as well. And that just shows us as followers of Christ that we get there. Here's the difference between David and Saul. David was a man who went, you know what? I sinned against God. And my heart grieves over that sin. And God, forgive me. I repent before the Lord. I want to live in righteousness. God, I have fallen short. I need you. That's why, that's why the Bible can say David's a man after God's own heart. David messed up a lot. You and I know that. As you keep going into 2 Samuel, I mean, he falls short. But what's the difference? David is saying, forgive me, Father. I want to live for you. Saul says, on the other hand, what sin? What are you talking about? Remember when Samuel confronts him? He's making sacrifice. What's this bleeding of the goats I'm hearing? What are you talking about? Didn't God say to wipe out the enemy? Well, I kind of wiped out the enemy. But what? Eh, you know. Never acknowledges his sin. God provides grace upon grace upon grace to Saul. Just like he does to all of us. Opportunity for Saul to respond to his love. Opportunity to, to minister to him. And he's always throwing out, Saul, draw near. And Saul keeps pushing him away. 
I'm going to make my own choice. Thank you, God. I know you have your prophet, Samuel, but I'm going to listen to myself. That's the difference between the two. So the scene gives us David. David's stuck. He's in a situation that took him further than he ever wants to go. And then the scene switches back to to Saul's life of fear, a house built on sand. That's where it will lead him into a place of, of really, this chapter is like utter darkness. And I just want to tell you this too about this chapter as we, as we get into uh, Saul going to visit the witch of Endor. It's, um, it's a hard chapter to understand. It's one of those chapters in the Bible where you go, okay, Lord, you know, help us to get a grasp on this a little bit. Um, I'll read the verses here in just a little bit about his visit to the witch. But you just need to know up front, like of all of Bible passages, this is just one of the toughies. Uh, and so we'll try to dive in, and, and I'll try to give you some insight into what's going on. The author is real clear. Samuel, God's voice of truth, is dead. Saul had been the one who put out the mediums and the necromancers. Those were the ones who called up the dead. And it was real clear. Saul's the one who said, they will not be in the land. And the author is really trying to point that out. So you got, you got Samuel is dead. He's in the grave. Let's be real clear. He's not just sleeping. He's dead. We got, we got Saul who laid out all these laws about you won't call upon mediums and necromancers and all of this. Saul did. Let's lay that out. Then all of a sudden, there is the attack. There is all of a sudden, he's in trouble again. And, and if you remember about Saul, his whole life became consumed with fear, right? And sometimes we let our lives be led by fear, not by faith. And Saul's whole life and his building on sand is led by fear. And we see it right up to the very end. It says, he, he trembled. He actually, his heart trembled. You wonder if he was having heart palpitations. I mean, really, it was just this, this shaking. Oh, my gosh, the Philistines are attacking me. Verse 5 says he, he trembled in incredible fear of what was going on. And so now, right in the middle of it, I've said to heck with you, God, but I'm scared now. And so, God, respond to me. And as we, as we read the Scriptures, it says, He inquires of the Lord... Now, when you read that at first, you go, well, hey, you know, maybe Saul is, maybe Saul's coming back. Maybe he's trying to, you know, get right with God. It has a feel of that at first. And you go, hey, he's, he's inquiring of the Lord. But even that verse, we, we miss a little bit beforehand, which is how he was living on his own strength. It says he gathered his people together. That was his first action step. Saul, in my own strength, I will gather my armies. And then he saw, that's the second step, he saw the enemy, and that led him right to fear. It's like, shoot, I tried the gathering of the armies, but I'm looking at this enemy, the Philistines, and I'm going to be toast. And so, well, I guess I'll inquire of the Lord. I mean, it's really kind of that. And God does not answer. And God does not answer. I want nothing to do with you, God. 
but please bless me today here in this battle. Lord, I inquire of you basically because I want to know what direction I want to know what's going to happen. I want you to give me strength for the battle. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, of a teenage son. And I've dealt with families all, all throughout these 22 years I've been here. And, you know, some teenage sons get really rebellious. And it kind of reminds me of a teenage son who says to his dad, basically flips off his dad, gives him the bird, says, just leave me alone, dad. Goes to his room, don't talk to me, dad. Puts caution tape around his door, you know. Don't enter here. This is my place. And, and, you know, tells his parents he hates them, wants nothing to do with them, don't have any conversation with me. That's the whole treatment of dad and the parents. And then a week later, comes and says, hey, dad, give me the keys to the car, and I need some money because I need to go out and get some things. And holds his hand out. Basically, bless me with everything you have. Now I want relationship. Do you understand? I mean, that's... And we can get to that place, can't we? And it may not be as harsh as that. But let's be real honest. Sometimes there's just these daily choices where it's like, I choose self over God. Thank you, God, for sharing these beautiful truths of life, but I still choose myself. And I still choose to, to follow, basically, the lies of the enemy. And we subtly sometimes can get there. Saul's life was pretty radical stuff of, yeah, God, I'm not listening to you. He would play, he would play follower of God at times, but it's all lip service. It's all lip service. It, it's really, it's like the one who, you know, just, I'm going to keep coming to church, but I really, I really want nothing to do with God the rest of the week. I'm just going to give lip service, and I'm going to please my spouse just because it's something to do. Choose this day, like Joshua says to the Israelites who are choosing idols. Choose this day whom you will serve. That's sobering stuff, isn't it? We don't like to talk too much about God's judgment upon people. Saul is going to die. And I think his life is going to end up in death separated from God. Again, God's the ultimate judge of that. But Saul's building of his house on sand, choices daily to say no to God, lead him to a place of utter darkness. The Lord cannot be heard. The Lord does not respond to him. And he's calling out, he's inquiring of the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, respond to me. I'm inquiring of you. Kind of reminds me of when I call my wife on her cell phone, and she never answers, you know? I go, why does my wife have a cell phone? I don't know. I call her all the time. Answer me. I know some of you husbands deal with that. There's no answer. Not by dreams, the scriptures say. You know, when we don't, when we don't inquire of God throughout the day, then all of a sudden we expect him in our dreams at night to respond to us. Not by dreams, not by the Urim, which is the priest. Maybe, maybe there was no response by the Urim because you just wiped out 85 of the priests at Nob in genocide. 
choices building your house on sand. I will murder the priests. Not by profit. Maybe because you refused to listen to Samuel while he was here his whole life. And you want nothing to do with God's truth. And so like Don Lord, who had nothing to do with God, I'll name my first child. I'm in this situation. And so in the middle of fear, he goes back to self. I will find a way to win this battle. I will find a way to understand what's going on. I will figure it out. I will live in self and I will seek whatever it takes to figure out how to live life from this point on. And so, find me, verse 7 says, find me a medium. Do you remember what the beginning of the passage said? And Saul was the one who put out the mediums and the necromancers. Saul was the one. House built on sand. Find me a medium. Because I'm going to go through that. Here's another truth about this passage. Kind of a big picture truth. We are, we are spiritual people. We're spiritual people. We will serve somebody. And that'll either be God, that'll either be the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, or we will serve the enemy, Satan. We are spiritual people. Sometimes we forget that. Saul is drawn into the lies of the enemy and he goes to this dark place. In the ancient Near East, there was lots of ways that people looked for this, basically the occult. They looked to find out what was going to happen in the future. They would go to the teraphim, which were the household idols. Give me these idols. I want to go and I'm going to pray to them and I'm going to look for answers. Or hepatoscopy. Hepatoscopy was this, this future and what they would do is they would take the liver and they would lay it out or the entrails of an animal and they would, they would rub them and touch them and, and somehow give me, give me the future. This would happen all throughout the scriptures in, in the Old Testament times and in Old Middle East. There'd be hydromancy, which is you'd watch the stirring of the waters and that would give us some insight into the future and how the ripples came. And there was rhabdomancy, which was the, the using of a divining rod. You know? We do try to find water sometimes with that. And this will take me the direction I need to go. And there was, there was bellomancy, which was, they would send arrows, and they would send out three arrows, and they would fire them out there, and the one that went the furthest was the one that you would go to, and they would write little things on each arrow. One would say, don't do this, or do this, or, you know, uh, move this direction left or right. And so whatever arrow they came to, which was the furthest, that would be the direction that they were supposed to go. These were the common practices in seeking the future and what was going on. Ezekiel 21 says this, The king of Babylon stands at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, and he uses divination. He shakes the arrows, bellomancy, and he consults the teraphim, the idols, and he looks at the liver, hepatoscopy. That's the practice that was taking place all throughout the land. And then, of course, there was astrology, consulting the stars. Necromancy, which was 
calling up the dead. Don't you love these guys? I'm feeling in this area, I'm sensing a letter S. Oh, you smiled. Sally, is it? Someone, she's saying you left the iron on. And, you know, I mean, and there's these guys all throughout, right? You've seen them on TV. I'm pretty sure it's your Uncle Jed, and he's telling you the calling up of the dead. And I think there's a lot of spiritual, demonic influence in that stuff. The Lord strictly forbids it. Leviticus says, Do not turn to mediums or seek spiritists, for they will be def- you will be defiled by them. Why don't you do that? Because I am the Lord your God. Choose this day whom you will serve. Build your, ha- your house on firm foundation, not on sand. All of those other ways are sand, aren't they? And the house will fall, and it will fall greatly. He chooses, he goes to the, the medium. Joshua says, choose this day. And then he goes out and he disguises himself. It's like, you kind of go, really? Saul, you're going to go out and you're going to disguise yourself? I mean, you're putting on this disguise, but you're really revealing exactly who you are. Exactly what's going on in your heart. You're trying to cover all this stuff, but it just pours out exactly who you are. I was in uh, Mexico this last week. My I've told you this. My wife works for a business that they have these incredible incentive trips uh, that she earns every year. And so we've been really blessed to be able to go on these trips. And we were in Playa del Carmen. And, and I think I've shared with you, these, these trips for me always end, up, always end up being ministry. You know, it's just, it's just like I show up. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to have my little umbrella drink, you know, and just sit on the beach. And, and that never happens. You know, it's always a discussion about the Lord or about spiritual things. And I have great relationship with a lot of these people that Kina works with. So we're sitting, we're, we're at this little palapa, you know, those little cool Mexican coverings, and we're in the shade. And, and there's a woman reading this book, and it says, Choices. And I go, hey, tell me about that book and, and what that's all about. And uh, she, starts, she starts giggling. And I'm like, is it a comedy book? You know, what, what's going on? And she, go, she goes, no. She goes, I'm actually not reading the book Choices. It's, it's just a cover. She goes, and she pulls off the cover. She goes, underneath is this book, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And you've got you to understand, some of you may not know about Fifty Shades of Grey, but you're sleeping under a rock if you, if you don't. Fifty Shades of Grey is basically pornography. And it's a, it's a book about just just sexual perversion and about dominatrix and it's just it's really just not a good I haven't read it I've just read the reviews on it and it <laughs> come on <laughs> um, no, that's the truth uh, but, but you know it, it's uh, it's just a dark dark book and literally they can't keep it on the shelves they're running out at the bookstores and she's trying to, to cover, you know, that she's reading this. And, and I talked with many, many women on this trip, and several who I, knew, who I knew were followers of Jesus Christ. And I just sat with them, and I just really felt the Lord was just telling me to speak some truth. 
And so I went to them because I knew they were followers of Christ. And I said, hey, why are you reading this book? Oh, I heard it's a great suspenseful book. And I'm like, really, that's not what I've heard. I've heard it's about this. And I just would encourage you to fill your mind and your heart with things that are of the Lord. Because when you get these images in your brain, they are hard to get out. And it's nothing about this book that's edifying unto God. And that's true. And here's, here's what's cool. The, the, some of these women were just, like, were just like David. You know what? They heard the voice of the Lord and God just kind of used me in that. You know what? You're right. I don't need to be filling my mind with this stuff. And they deleted it off. They had downloaded it on their, you know, Amazon, whatever, iPad. And they deleted it off the deal. I don't need to fill my mind. Then the others, you know, kept going around with the, the cover on the book. They wanted to keep diving in. Saul's trying to cover what's really going on. And he sneaks in by night, and he shows up at the witch of Endor. And let me just read you a little bit of what happens here. The woman asks, who shall I bring up for you, Saul? He says, bring up Samuel. It's like, really? Samuel's dead. When the woman, look at verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out. This has a a powerful Hebrew. It's like terrified, not only terrified, but this incredibly loud scream of just, oh my gosh, what is going on? What actually happened here? I've called up some other stuff before, but this is not of me. Samuel shows up. The woman saw him. She cried out. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up from the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe, that's Samuel's robe, is coming up. That same robe that was torn, saying, Your kingdom shall be torn from you this day. Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down, and he prostrated himself with his face to the the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me from bringing me up? It's like, man, I was enjoying my time with God. You're messing with me. I don't want to come back here. Again, this is, remember what I said, this is one of those chapters you go, okay, Lord, explain this in the kingdom, all right? Samuel said, why, why do you consult me? Now that the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy... I think God's revealing the the heart of Saul. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and he's given it to your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord, you built your house on sand, basically. Or you did not carry out your, your wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. And the Lord will hand over Israel to the Philistines and tomorrow, look at this, And Jackson's going to dive into this. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Saul fell to the ground when fear, remember fear, take over, and his strength was gone. What in the heck is going on here? You've got this Harry Potter moment, you know? You've got the Witch of Endor. I mean, it really is a novel. And you go, what, what took place? People have lots of different ideas on what, what's happening here. But Saul basically, Saul basically is saying, I still continue to choose building my house on sand. 
I'm going to go figure out a way to understand what's going to happen in the future. And I'm going to call upon the switch to call up Samuel. What, what happened? Here's some thinking. That, that the medium uh, roused Samuel. Uh, that God actually brought Samuel back to Saul to speak his final words. That maybe it was a demonic situation that was taking place, kind of like I believe these guys who call out the dead. I think those are demons. The medium faked the apparition, what was going on. Maybe the experience was a hallucination in what was taking place. The witch is terrified. I believe where I've landed, and and this is just where I'm at today in, in my understanding of Scripture, I believe what happened is that God allowed Samuel, and God basically brought Samuel back into the presence of Saul one more time. And I believe that because, again, one was the response of the witch, like, this is nothing I've ever seen or dealt with ever. I haven't dealt with this stuff. But my primary reasons are, are the authority and the words that, that Samuel speaks. This is what was already said, Saul. Your kingdom is torn. Here's what God has said. Here's what God has said about your relationship with him. Your heart has become hard. You are turned from God. You have been disobedient your whole life in God. And here's the consequence, which is death. And your sons will die. Once again, and I say this very humbly, and this is true, God knows the ultimate heart of man. And we cannot for sure say Saul is in hell today, separation from God. But the scriptures sure indicate he's separated from God. And the consequence is death. It's a sobering chapter. And Samuel says in verse 19, and you will be with me, Today, you will be with me where I am. And that's another confusing little statement, but I'll just give you a little insight. The, the history is, is that the people of Israel and the people in the Middle East, Sheol was a place where basically the, the dead went, basically all the dead. And so the, the, the mindset, the understanding was, all the dead went to Sheol. And so all the dead would be in this place, or this place of waiting, And so I think that's what verse 19 is getting at, kind of that understanding of this is where the dead go to this place. And so you will be there soon. It's a sobering chapter, but one that reminds us, and and the scriptures give us Saul as an example of one who lives life, his whole life in his own will, building his house on sand. And his self-will has left him spiritually bankrupt with God. I choose me over the love of God who saves, our God saves. William Blakey says this, sin and rebellion take us to a place and one of the worst places it takes us is to 
a stiffening of the soul, a hardening of the heart to a place where, where God no longer responds, a place where he knows the heart has said no to God. God always pours out his grace, always, always, always. But he also speaks the truth when he knows a heart is hard. That's like Pharaoh, right? God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's heart was hard. He wanted nothing to do with God. It's a reminder of choose this day whom you will serve. We cannot forget, dear friends, that God's grace is always being poured out. We cannot forget that. We must keep drawing in to God's grace being poured out. And this chapter is none any different. If you've been running away from the Lord, if you've been building your house on sand, if you've been making choices daily that say it's all about me and how I want to live, then be like King David and repent. God, forgive me. And let God forgive you, and like the scriptures remind us, and I will make you white as snow, and your sin will be forgotten. Let God do that in your life. He says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Daily choices. Daily choices. Whom will I serve today? Whose truths will I listen to? And that we would stop building on sand. That's just self. That's just looking for other ways to to live life. It leads to nothing but destruction and death. But be like the wise man, and like Matthew says, who heard these truths and who responded. And the scriptures say of that man, and I hope of you and me, that when you build your house in response to the gospel, to the truth of God's love, then your house is set on firm foundation. Choose the Lord and his love. Let's pray. Father, this is a crazy chapter, and a lot of it, again, in heaven, we, we want you to explain some more what you were doing. But Father, I thank you that you give us these reminders of, of when we just, we just keep making choices that are not of you, that we're not following. And Father, forgive us for our sin when we choose ourselves and we choose to, to be disobedient. Father, forgive us, I pray. And I thank you that you do forgive us and I thank you that you wash us clean. And so thank you, Father, for the gift of your cleansing. Thank you for your son on the cross who died for that sin, for David's sin, for Saul's sin, for our sin. And Father, would you empower us with your Holy Spirit because we desire to follow you. And we know we can only do that in your strength. And this Lord, Lord, this morning we say we choose you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.